This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome back to the second hour of the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath here hosting this program for you. I'm a registered nurse, a sexual health educator, which is why a lot of the subjects that I discuss go below the belt. Anyway, and they're also a lot more fun. But we don't always talk about those, and I have some uh, medical conditions to talk about in this one, in this hour, including your emails as well. Uh, So I'm going to be talking a lot about that, and I've got some Lady Bits review for you as well. So thank you so much for joining me tonight on the program, and um, it's always a pleasure for me to be here with you. I love this. I actually love sharing health information and just helping you to navigate the healthcare system potentially or dealing with your uh, healthcare provider, um, whatever, helping you to lead a better life because life is to be enjoyed, not endured. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So I had a couple of patients in my clinical practice this week. They often always don't come for sexual health concerns or, or low sexual desire or a sexless marriage, but a lot of them do, um, or trying to figure out what happened in the last three marriages, and they don't want it to happen in the next one coming up. Uh, but interestingly enough, they sometimes have other medical problems that go along with it, and, and technoference is here to stay, and that's when the technical aspect of life interferes with your life. And so I had a couple of patients who presented with a, one had braces on her wrists, on her forearms and her wrists and through to her hand. And then the other one didn't. And once again, one patient helps another unwittingly because it's all private and confidential, of course. Um, if you want to call me about any questions, the number to call is 604-280-9898 if you are local. If you are long distance, one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. You can email me nursedoc at hotmail dot com as well. Um, so these two patients basically had carpal tunnel syndrome. Both of them, one was a screenwriter, and so she was typing all the time, and the other one also had a job uh, where they were on the computer all the time. And so they had symptoms, numbness, tingling, weakness in their hand. And they were both, uh, one was diagnosed with carpal tunnel syndrome and she knew that, but the other one wasn't. But I was able to say, hey, you know, go to your doctor. If you're experiencing these particular symptoms, you know, this is something to be ruled out. Carpal tunnel syndrome is caused by pressure on your median nerve, which runs the length of your arm. And it goes through a passage in the wrist called the carpal tunnel, and that's why we call it carpal tunnel syndrome. And this, of course, is related to sex. Um, If you haven't guessed that by now, I do, you know, every subject does relate to sex, (laughs) or I just relate every single subject to sex, but it will be difficult to get get passionate um, if your (laughs) hands are in pain, or you might not have feel the great sensation if you have numbness in your hands. So it's important that you get this treated for your... Also, if you're moaning around in the relationship, nobody's going to want to have sex with you. But anyway, um, I digress. But you know what? It's important to have this treated because it can get worse. So the median controls the movement and the feeling of your thumb and the movement of all of your fingers with the exception of the pinky finger. So the, the carpal tunnel is narrowed and that typically happens from swelling. And that's related to the type of treatment. So you would typically use an anti-inflammatory medication or sometimes steroid injections or cortisone injections are necessary. 
carpal tunnel syndrome is caused by repetitive motions, like using the computer a lot, um, things that you do over and over. So maybe carpentry or, you know, banging nails a lot. It's also associated with some other medical conditions like hypothyroidism, low thyroid, obesity, rheumatoid arthritis, and diabetes. Also, we see it a lot of pregnant women with carpal tunnel syndrome. So if you don't get it treated, the symptoms can last a long time. They're extremely annoying. They may get worse. They could go away, but they may return. So anything, as with anything, if it's diagnosed early, it's easier to treat. So if you're, if you're burning, tingling, itching, numbness in the palm of your hand and thumb, or index or middle finger. If you feel like your fingers are falling asleep or they might become numb or get that sensation that they're fat at night. Uh, And the reason it happens at night is because of the relaxed position of your hand while sleeping, right? It's a big difference from when you're typing all morning. So, um, but it can become severe. And so you may actually get uh, limited grip strength because the muscles in your hand actually shrink and the pain and muscle cramping can become worse. So this is something that is, you know seriously needs to be treated because you can actually get a loss of feeling in your fingers, obviously a loss of strength, or you can have permanent muscle damage. So get on over to see your doctor. Some jobs that are more at risk um, for this so people that are using the computer, we're seeing a lot these days. Um, I'm one of them. Uh, assembly, I use the computer a lot. Um, knock on wood, I don't have it. Assembly line workers, sewers or knitters, bakers, cashiers, hairstylists and are particularly at risk for this. And even musicians. Oh, my gosh. Well, I wouldn't consider myself a musician, but I think you are, Andrew, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Okay. Um, so, you know, lifestyle changes, cutting down on sugar, stretching and strengthening exercises. And I mentioned, uh, immobilization of it. So there are braces that you can pick up at a local drugstore medication. And, you know, sometimes surgery is in order, but you want to keep your wrist straight. And that's the uh, purpose of the, um, braces on your wrist. So avoid flexing and extending your wrist repeatedly. Uh, and as I said, some exercises. So you want to maybe arrange your activity or your workspace that minimizes your discomfort. I think ice always helps everything, even if it's a placebo effect. So by all means, try that. Um, I want to talk about uh, the NuvaRing. And if you don't know what a NuvaRing is, it's a small vaginal ring. that it's a, it's a hormonal vaginal ring that is inserted into the vagina um, as a birth control. And it's kept in for three weeks. And if you have carpal tunnel, you might have difficulty taking your NuvaRing out. One thing is related to the next. Um, but uh, no, this is just a uh, a bit of an education. So the NuvaRing is inserted into the vagina, taken out for a week, and then um, inserted back in. But it's important to know how to store birth control. And so different forms of birth control need to be stored in different ways. And so if you've ever heard that the ring needs to be refrigerated and wondering if that's true, it certainly is. This is the company recommendation. So you don't need to pop the ring in the refrigerator whenever you remove it. If you haven't had one that hasn't been used yet, you should definitely keep that one in the refrigerator. So keeping it chilled will help it from uh, degrading. And of course, if it degrades, then it's less likely to um, be as effective. So you want to be quite uh, diligent with that. Um, So the anyway, so that's just a little bit of a warning that I felt uh, was important that people inherently understand and, and getting the right information 
is important. So if you get multiple rings from your drugstore, store them in the fridge. All right. So what else are we going to talk about here? I might as well read. Uh, Well, no, you know what? I wanted to talk about um, a doctor who has been suspended. It's been in the paper. Uh, It's public knowledge. Uh, There are allegations leveled against him, which have not been made public. But this particular British Columbia doctor has a history of misconduct, and he has been suspended again. He's a West Vancouver doctor with a long disciplinary history, and he's been suspended. Now, there have been very inappropriate websites associated um, with this doctor, um, you know, very derogatory website. There's been no notification from the College of Physicians and Surgeons. They won't reveal anything as to why uh, Dr. Patrick Nesbitt's registration has been suspended, except that it happened on um, uh, the date that it happened, which is February 23rd, and it's not um, a complaint by any patient. So, you know, this has been uh, a long history uh, here with the college's discipline committee. He has been in and out. Uh, Many of the things have been public. Many of these allegations of... um, sexually touching and fondling patients outside of the office and making sexual comments to patients. And, and this is just inappropriate behavior. It just drives me crazy that the uh, College of Physicians and Sur- Surgeons is, um, well, at least they've suspended him. I know he had limited practice ability. He was not allowed to see female patients. He was also not allowed to prescribe narcotics. And, and sometimes patients weren't told that. And so... Um, you know, you might send somebody off if they had pneumonia, for example, and they needed, they were coughing all night long and they may have gone to him and he may have prescribed something other than codeine syrup. And because he was not allowed to, um, he was not allowed to, to prescribe narcotics. And so it's, this is putting the public's health at risk. So I certainly hope that this is um, dealt with very soon because we cannot have that. If you have any uh, inappropriate, any sense um, of uh, inappropriate behavior from your doctor, know that it is a criminal offense. I had a a patient who um, was having an affair with her doctor and she told me she was having an affair with her doctor and she wanted, he was married and she wondered if she should invite him for Christmas dinner. And I told her that he was likely having it, that it was a crime, number one, that he, you cannot have a, a sexual relationship with your patient. They were having sex in the office during her appointments. And it seemed that the receptionist knew, walked in on them once. The, these folks were like in their 70s and 80s. They were no spring chickens, let me tell you. And so she was surprised to learn that uh, that it was a crime. And I said, likely he is not going to come to your house for dinner. He's married. He's going to be at his own home for Christmas dinner. And uh, likely he's seeing other patients as well. And that was the case um, of of this particular doctor. So uh, there's another doctor. We have a huge opioid crisis in this country, a huge fentanyl crisis. And we have a doctor in Camsac, Saskatchewan, who's lost his ability to prescribe methadone is now charged with improperly prescribing opioids and benzodiazepines to patients, some of whom other physicians were concerned may have been selling or giving the drugs to other people. This is Dr. Murray Davis. Um, And he has 
two charges of unprofessional conduct under the Medical Professions Act. So, you know, just as a reminder, doctors are not perfect. Uh, you know, a drug isn't always the first thing uh, the first line of treatment. There are many conservative measures that, that people can take. There, One of the saddest stories I ever heard was a 25-year-old fellow who had had orthopedic surgery, surgery at the age of 18. He was given 450 tablets of oxycodone, and then he was cut off. He was never weaned off. They never gave him another prescription. And his girlfriend said, why don't you try heroin? Heroin is just as effective and it's cheaper. And he has been an eight-year heroin addict. Um, and you know what? This is, I mean, this is just so sad. So we have to be extremely careful. Talk to somebody else about prescriptions that your doctors have given to you. Um, you know, it's, if you have any questions at all, it's always best um, to get a second opinion. That's absolutely fine. Uh, in order to do that and know that that ice works really well and, and quite often, um, you know, acetaminophen or um, ibuprofen work as well. So you don't have to go straight to the hard stuff. And uh, anyway, I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I'm going to bring you into my inbox. I received this email recently. Uh, Dear Maureen, so I discovered my husband watched one of your segments. He was recently caught having a platonic sugar baby. His excuse? He wants sex. He wants sex even though he behaves poorly and has been sick to the point of near death, is 57 years old. I'm in menopause, 54 years of age, have vaginal atrophy, and sex hurts. So I thought, huh, let's see what he watched. I read the transcript. Oh my God, lady, question mark, question mark, exclamation point, times six, WTF. You are totally putting the blame on women. I nursed my husband through his various illnesses, including cancer, while I had two children with learning difficulties, a house, and no life of my own. He got well, started partying while I was exhausted. Men are babies. Wah. Why can't I have sex, they say. I should want sex after he flirts with every breathing bee he comes across. How about they effing grow up? <laughs> Thanks. You have single-handedly bolstered men's penis BS. Well, um, you know, this is an embittered woman, but there's a lot uh, here. Um, be, martyrdom never works, ladies. Uh, you really can't be a type B personality, give everything to everybody else. You will get depleted. You will misplace your anger, which I believe is what has happened here. I don't believe I'm the cause of uh, her husband's extramarital whatever. Um, also, sex is good for you. Sex is healthy. Sex helps you to sleep. It helps with your mood. It feels wonderful. And also, men cheat to remain in sexless marriages. And sexist marriages can be the result of painful sex. And at 54, you are going to experience likely uh, decrease in estrogen receptors in the urogenital tract and sex may hurt. There are treatments for uh, painful sex. So is it fair to impose fidelity on a person who is deprived of sex from their spouse? I think not. But I also think it's important that this lady get treatment for uh, her painful sex. And so I was interested in a, a study recently that uh, it was a controversial study and, and it was in the JAMA internal Journal of American Medical Association Internal Medicine showed that a placebo worked just as well as an estrogen hormone tablet to relieve the most bothersome symptoms of a menopausal condition that used to be called vul vulvovaginal atrophy or vaginal atrophy and now it's called GSM 
genitourinary syndrome of menopause to make it more media friendly. And so they, they had lots of problems with the term vulvovaginal atrophy. But this study showed that women who used uh, a lubricant gel uh, had just as uh, much relief from their symptoms as the low-dose localized estrogen tablet. Well, one thing about that tablet, um, it used to be 25 micrograms like three years ago. But in the interest of low estrogen, because everybody's afraid of estrogen because of the Women's Health Initiative study, the, the company lowered the, the micrograms, the dose, from 25 down to 10 mics. So it's an incredibly low dose. It's almost too low for a lot of women. So I think that it's probably any, anything is going to, like a gel or a lubricant or a moisturizer, is going to relieve the symptoms on the short term, temporarily, anything is going to do that. Um, and so this stu- study was saying that the vaginal tablet was no better than a personal moisturizer um, or a lubricant. One of the problems with some of the lubricants out there is that they are um, unhealthy uh, ingredients. So you have to really look at the ingredients on the label. So a lot of people were surprised by this study. I was not surprised by this study. This is one form of low-dose localized estrogen therapy for menopausal women this is, there are other, there are creams that are higher dosage. There are E-rings um, that are uh, estrogen rings that are inserted and remain in your vagina for three months. They are inserted and removed by healthcare professionals. So there are other, <clears throat> there are other options for this condition, but this is an important medical condition. It can shut down a woman's sex life. It can actually lead to infidelity because yeah, quite frankly, you know, men want sex and guess what? So do a whole lot of women. And it's not just women who experience low sexual desire. There's a whole lot of women out there suffering because the man in their life has no desire for sex either. And there's a number of those reasons as well. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We are in the final strokes of the program here. Thanks so much for being here with me this evening. You know, I get tons and tons of emails and messages on Facebook, LinkedIn, my inbox um, from many people who are struggling, struggling with their sex lives, with their marriages, with their relationships. For the most part, that's pretty much all I get. Uh, so, and also I hear a lot of a lot about people who are struggling in relationships and they have chosen if you will um or circumstances came their way and they decided to go for it uh people who are engaged in extramarital affairs or having um and they're they're involved in infidelity or some have been going on for a long time some have been going on for a short time i hear from a lot of men that they say that their wives would never have an affair because she hates sex. And I want to say she hates sex with you, but <laughs> she is having an affair. No, <laughs> um, she might be, and I might be privy to that information. But I, but that's a common thing I hear from men that are in sexless marriages. And they're like, oh, she'd never cheat because, um, you know, she hates sex. But it's oftentimes, and I believe we talked about this earlier in the program, it's knowing yourself is, you know, and that's what I say to my patients, you know, take the mirror and turn it on yourself. Know your, you know, 
who you are. And, you know, none of us are perfect. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses. And there's one thing I'd like to get out to men out there in particular, and it's not to say that this is limited to men. This is also can happen for women. I did mention if you are, you know, a witch, you know, come out of the broom closet, you know, know that about yourself. Because women can be uh, miserable and can be affected by moods. Women are diagnosed more with depression uh, than men are. And um, also, um, but men, you know, there's a lot of men that have an issue with anger. And that's a big turnoff. And and so I I was actually talking to somebody recently, and and I happened to say, you know, angry men, you know, it's a massive turnoff for for women and and she said uh oh uh oh that really that's a turn on for me i'm like really that's so strange but no she misunderstood what i said she said that that's a turn off for her so if you have a problem with anger you might be the last to admit it but honestly it is such a big turn off it's really something to deal with to manage deal with your feelings deal with your issues Because if you want to have sex, that can be the one roadblock to you having intimate relations in your marriage or relationship. So that is not sexy at all to be angry. By the same token, for women who have misplaced anger or are moody, they're up and down, you know, that can also be problematic. Both men and women cheat. Uh, and, you know, likely at the same rates, according to uh, certain research. So so I, I received this email. It was actually a question. Should I send this email, she said. And, you know, I've had so many times where uh, and this is a big risk of an extramarital affair where uh, it's it's not just about the sex for, you know, in particular, we see it with the woman because it's they're more emotional around it. It can be that men need sex and they remain in sexless marriages. They have affairs to remain in their sexless marriage. And so for them, it's about the sex. And, you know, as long as the woman that you're with understands that and and is okay with that, because you know what? There are women. It's just about the sex. So it's fine. Two people are sexually compatible. I mean, I'm not promoting uh, or condoning extramarital affairs. I'm just saying, you know, if it's just about the sex for both of you, great. That's the least risky. But oftentimes people get emotional and they get involved. And, And so women, you know, hell hath no fury like a woman's scorn. And and I had a patient who sent an email with photographs of uh, herself and another woman's husband and sent that to the inbox um, of, the, of him, knowing that the wife um, could access his inbox. So you know how that worked out. So women will, will tell, you know, especially if they are hurt. And so, you know, it doesn't do anybody any good uh, to to deal with things in that way. So this email, what do you think of this email? Do you think she should have sent this email? Um, So she was having an affair with a man for three years and she stopped all communication with him. And then he liked a Facebook post of hers and she went a little cray cray. So she was wondering if my intelligent listeners, (laughs) and you're all intelligent, could give her some advice. So she writes, Dear Jeff, Oh, by the way, the names have been changed to protect the guilty. Okay, so don't ever worry. The sentiment's the same, but there's never any identifiers. Dear Jeff, so I was doing okay, and then you liked my post. Was that your sick way of reaching out, then going missing in action again? Just wondering if you actually know what you have done to me. I mean, you said we could be friends. What does that even mean? You don't need me anymore. That's what this is all about. 
I used to talk to you every day, every day supporting you and motivating you when you were feeling down. I don't even give myself the encouragement and love that I gave you. But now you have your family and you don't need anything from me. You need you don't need to talk to me every day any longer. See, that's what is so upsetting for me, Jeff. I asked you if you would see me if I came to Oshawa and you gave me some sappy message. It's a difficult time, Lenora, and it was really basically to tell me where to go. You have said, of course, that you wanted to see me just to make me happy for a second. It's not like I was coming out next week. And if I did come out, you could have just told me it wasn't possible. But that's been my whole problem with you. You never knew what to say or not to say. Well, as long as you know what to say to Sarah, that's all that matters. Her feelings, her emotion, your wife is all that matters. Her well-being, never it's never my well-being. What you should have done was given me a token call to check in and say hello. But every time you called... You were either with your children or picking up or picking them up or whatever. So the calls were literally minutes long. Then we'd say you had to go and hang up. That's okay, Jeff, because I was used to that. You make me sick and not in a good way either. Hopefully you can put all these lies behind you. You probably already have. That's why it's so easy for you to ignore my messages, even though you read them. Do you think I'm dumb? I can see you reading the messages. Please don't like my post. Don't respond to my emails or text messages. I thought I made myself clear in my last text to you. I guess not. I don't want anything from you and never did. Just to have been treated like a human being. That's all I wanted. I I treated you like a king. So much more than what you got at home. But once you realized you had to get back on track and you were going home, you stopped the majority of contact with me. You have cheated on your wife with me for three years. And that is true. You could have avoided all of this by keeping me at arm's length instead of ignoring me. And you know what what that means. Karma will get you. What goes around comes around. Maybe not by me telling your family, but in different ways. Don't ever forget that. You should have known to treat me a little better. Lastly, you are correct. You are a stupid idiot. Your words, not mine. Okay, so I suggested she not send that along. <laughs> and there's also a little bit of a threat in there. Andrew, what do you think? Is that... Do you think she should have sent that along, especially with that threat like, I'm not going to tell your family, but something else bad might happen? Bad blood is one thing, and I get being frustrated and wanting to take that out on someone, but threats cross the line for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I... There are there are better ways to vent your anger and frustration. Well, it's tough because she's living in secret, right? She's mm-hmm, had an affair mm-hmm. with him for three years, and she's hurt now. And now he's gone back to the wife for whatever reason. Uh, she's gone back. Uh, he's gone back to his wife, and he no longer wants to see the wants to see her. And well, human emotion is so hard to govern. I can say all I want, like threats are where you cross the line, but yeah, yeah. Emotion sometimes like you don't like sometimes it just doesn't matter, right? Sometimes you say what you want to say because you have to in that moment. Yeah. And and you know what? She's very hurt obviously. Obviously. She's been uh emotionally engaged here, likely fell in love with this man, likely wants to deny it. She's very hurt. Um, and you know, I, I happen to know her, you know, she's a patient of mine. She's a wonderful person. Um, but just, you know, wrong, wrong time, wrong place. You know, Mm -hmm. he, he worked away from home and that's, and during that time is, um, when he had an affair with, um, with her. So, 
Um, you know, to keep her healthy power, her power within, I suggested she keep this letter and, you know, that it was fine that she wrote it down and maybe she'd process some of her feelings around that. But, um, you know, it's uh, this is another risk of the um, when people re- go outside of their marriage instead of dealing with their issues inside of the marriage. And I, and I happen to know this happened to have been a sexless marriage as well, mm-hmm. or at least that's what he said. I'm Maureen McGrath. That's what she said, and you're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. So how are you doing? We are in the final stroke of the program tonight. We're talking all, a lot about self and things that happen and um, what makes you happy and peace of mind and and spiritual futures and, and witches in broom closets. Um, perhaps my favorite thing tonight. <laughs> And sometimes I think people are their own worst enemies, you know, they're, and unfortunately they've just been given, uh, or somehow they just, you know, they're just, they don't have the best moods. And I just think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's helpful to have a positive mood. Uh, it's helpful to, uh, emotionally heal thyself, uh, you know, especially if you really want to feel good. And so, you know, we talk a lot about happiness, but, you know, what is happiness? Much, much like when Prince Charles said, um, when they asked him if he was in love with Diana, and he said, what is love? Whatever love is. That's what he said, whatever love is. And, uh, you know, whatever happiness is, and it's probably defined differently by different people, but I often think it's it's peace of mind. And so how do you get that peace of mind? How do you get that sense of you know warmth and and compassion? You know, human beings are are compassionate people, and I, I'm convinced we want to do the best that we possibly can for others. And and you know, there's a varying degree of that. There's a continuum of of you know everything from narcissism, which is the very uh, smallest percentage, to empath, which is people who feel for other other people. They they feel so much. They they feel other people's pain. You know, I I sometimes feel like I'm I'm like that a bit that I. I feel so badly for people. Sometimes, you know, I'll offer a box of tissue for a client in my or a patient in my clinical practice and I'll, you know, I'll say, do you want a tissue? They'll be like, no, I'm okay. I'm like, well, I'll need one, you know, because their stories are, can be so sad at times. And I feel those. And, and so, and I also think human nature is that we want to help others. You know, if we see somebody that, you know, falls down on the ski hill, I've always been, um, you know, mindful of the fact that, uh, for people, for those who fall on the ski hill, <laughs> you know, people always ski by and say, are you okay? Are you okay? That's just, you know, that's just part of it. Or, or, or boating is another uh, activity or just, you see a child fall on the street, you know, oh, you know, is that child okay? And, and you want to care for that um, person who, you know, has, has fallen in life. And, and that, that's easy empathizing with other people for their pain but it can be hard to feel compassion for yourself. And so oftentimes, instead of accepting ourselves, our, our true person within, the, the person that we are, we beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up over mistakes that we made, even small mistakes. And, and you know, those thoughts can enter your mind and you think, why did I say that? Why did I do that? I, I've certainly uh, done that myself. I, I, I've done that recently um, with something that's uh, work-related. And it's just like, you know, 
we allow those thoughts to enter our head. We chastise ourselves for mistakes that we may have made or something that we said or shouldn't have said or should have said. We're constantly fighting with on uh, with unwanted thoughts that you know flit through our minds or or for uh, people who have experienced trauma. Uh, we wrestle with those traumatic memories and we, we live in the past. And I had a woman in my clinical practice this week and she had post-traumatic stress disorder, which is not uncommon after you've had a medical condition or, um, you know, been treated for something or had a long hospital stay and, um, and maybe have additional financial issues and then dealing with all the medical appointments and, or maybe the loss of somebody that you love dearly, the potential loss of somebody you love dearly. And so this particular woman thought she had died during childbirth. She, she actually said, do you want me to tell you my story? And I said, for sure, share it. You know, she was in the office for something else. I share it. I said, share it. When you share your story, you release the pain. It helps with the healing process. So tell as many people that you can, you know, that, that you feel, um, comfortable telling that to. So she told me, she said, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get through it. You know, but she surprised herself and she actually got through it. I was crying, but she was okay. No, but she had, um, you know, she'd been given nitrous oxide and triline. This one was about 75 years old. So triline was something that was given way back when uh, for women in labor. And it was uh, something on the wrist and you sniffed it and, you know, it um, it alleviated the pain. And she was also given nitrous oxide, which is going to put her out. And, and so she had felt that she sensed that she died during the labor. And, and so I, and she said, when she came to, and I said, well, did you actually die? Did you need resuscitation? Did your heart stop? And she said, well, no. And I said, so you've had 40 years of, of this pain and this, you know, this memory and, and you hadn't even, you hadn't died, hadn't even died. Um, you hadn't seen the white light and you had a beautiful baby at the end of it. And, and your husband was there and, you know, stood by you and, and you've had a lovely marriage and you have two children and now you have grandchildren and, and this is what is flitting through your mind. I, I mean, I didn't want to judge her, but I was just like, well, you actually hadn't died. Like look at it from a different perspective. And, and she hadn't looked at it that way. She always hung her hat on the fact that she came back to life. But, but in reality, she had never um, actually, you know, dropped her heart, even dropped her heart rate. She was absolutely fine through the whole thing, but out of it, I'm sure she was. And so, you know, this is the kind of thing that, you know, we, we lean on or we, or we stick to. We have these narratives that, that can perpetuate pain in our lives. And the narrative may not even be true. Everybody has their own narrative. Um, sometimes when you don't accept who your child has married, um, you know, it's a narrative that you stick to. They're not good enough for your child. Well, says who? Uh, and so you, it can make for a lot of family discord. But what is that one thing that will make you happy? Well, that one thing is self-acceptance, according to a study in the UK. And self-acceptance is, makes you happier even than being positive, learning new things, and being a part of something bigger. And But self-acceptance is the thing that people are least likely to do. And there are so many barriers to self-accepting that... We, you know, it makes our lives so much harder. So people are afraid to surrender control because nobody likes to feel out of control. And then, of course, we have a whole crew of CEOs and executive uh, or managers and, you know, rulers of other people's lives when they shouldn't even be ruling their own lives. Self-acceptance might feel like you're giving up, but it's not the opposite. 
of change. It's possible to accept ourselves and to change. And, you know, a lot of people want to change somebody else. They think that the other person is their problem, but actually it's yourself that's the problem. It's the self-acceptance of you, who you are, what you like, what you dislike, the way you behave, the way you treat others. So deal with your inner critic more gently. It's okay. That's absolutely fine. You need to practice self-acceptance in order to overcome the barriers to self-acceptance and and uh, uh, get on a path to happiness, and that will promote emotional healing. And so you want to accept your body. That's a big thing. A lot of women have body image issues. They have fabulous bodies, and they have body image issues, and, and also your personality. And you know what? If you snap at people or if you're moody, that type of thing, well, you know what? Take a look at that. Accept that. Accept failure. That's not even failure. That's just who you are. Label those self-critical thoughts that you're not good enough. Deal with your unwanted thoughts, uh, you know, that understand what they are from an intellectual point of view. Accept your emotions. And, you know, many people need to come to terms with their childhood trauma. Nobody's had a perfect childhood. Nobody's had a perfect life. And if you've had trauma, you know, I'm terribly sorry for you on that. But you know what? A a better way to happiness is self-acceptance. Yes, that happened to you. And so you can develop... Feelings of compassion, direct them toward yourself and that war within and lead a happier life. Um, so acceptance is what happens when we get to the end of that solutions pathway. And that's where you want to be, you know. So it's really important to say, you know what, this is the way it is. This is who I am. And that's okay. And just, you know, just go a little easy on yourself. Anyway, I see a lot of patients that deal with those types of issues in my clinical practice. So we're coming to the end of the program, but I want you to keep the dial exactly where it is because my friend Drex is coming up next and he's got a great show as usual. Uh, Great show for you tonight. And Andrew, thank you so much for all your fantastic board opping that you have done. Well done. You did did a bang up job. Go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. Remember when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I am Maureen McGrath and you have been listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.